Kyle. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing well. I am very stressed out, but I'm doing well. I'm really stressed out, too. Yeah. I My, my stressors currently are for good reason, you know? Oh, okay. It's like, uh, well, yeah, they're good. It's, it's like DZ Fest. Mm-hmm. Will it happen or will it not? Mm-hmm. It's pretty terrifying for me personally. Uh, trying to figure out the Delta variant and like bands and sessions sure. and recording, stuff like that. Just went back to school in person for the first time in a year and a half. I think I saw a picture of that. Are you at ISU? Yeah, at ISU, yeah. Do you drive down there? I do. Oh 120 gosh. miles each way on Tuesdays and Thursdays. My goodness. So it's like around 500 miles a week yeah. in two days, which, I don't know, you learn how to... It's it's very meditative for me. Mm-hmm. Music, podcast, lately a lot more music, just relaxing and I don't know, there's nothing you could do about it. But yeah. some people drive that amount five days a week, you know, so yeah. I always am grateful that it's just two days a week. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you went to U of I, right? I did, yeah. So you, and you're from the south side of Chicago? I am, I'm from Oak Forest. Oak Forest, okay, not too far from here. No, no. Um... What were, like, the major intersection where you, like, grew up? Um, I grew up at 148th and Central. Mm-hmm. So ju- it's it's a little bit west of Cicero, and, um, you know, the exit is 151st. 147th is, is an exit, too, off mm-hmm. of 57. So it's it's right, uh, it's it's... West of, west of, the highway fifty seven mm-hmm. going west down. of the highway, mm-hmm. uh, very close to Bachelors Grove, like walking distance. Yeah, yeah. the, the legendary cemetery. Yeah, I, I. <laughs> it's so funny because that's it is legendary and it's in a way and uh, I thought nothing of it, you know, growing up. Um, yeah. But there's like TV episodes about it on ghost shows and things like that, so that's kind of funny. Yeah. We went. I went there. Uh, when I was in college with a band that I was in, when we were hanging out in Oak Forest, uh, we went there and and Johnny Darge came too. It was a band that I was in with uh, Aaron Schultz of Rat King Records, John Menchaca of, um, um, oh God, what's it? Crippled Sound Records and a bunch of bands in, in um, Colorado now. He lives there. A uh, person, Mike Donovan, who was a good friend in college. He's now a doctor, I think, of insect biology hmm. um, or something like that. And then Johnny Darge uh, from from Super Swag Project, and he's Thrash Kitten. Anyway, we <laughs> went to Bachelor's Grove. Um, there were some, like, dumb teen kids there. They didn't do anything to us, but they were just like, you know, like freaking out and stuff. Yeah. Uh, we heard a bunch of toads, which at first we thought was um, a goat being killed for a ritualistic slaughter, uh, but it was just toads. And then when we came out, a dick cop pulled us over um, and asked where we were all from and what we were doing, what our, you know, what we were studying in school and stuff like that. You know, how I hate when we they were. do that. I know. You know, it's funny. On the way here, I was being trailed by a cop for a long time, and I was so sure that he was going to pull me over for something. Um, it started raining, so I, like, flipped my lights on real quick, and I was like, oh, is my is my license plate up to date? Uh, you know, there's got to, like, 
oh god, I, I hope there's nothing wrong, you know, on the back end of my car that I'm not aware of because I really don't feel like dealing with that right now, mm-hmm. and that would set me back even further. So, anyway, that was it. Was fun going there. It's a good memory, and he didn't give us a ticket or anything like that, but he was just a jerk off. Yeah, that's like the weird thing with like the Southwest suburbs or just being suburbs, like white boys. Uh huh. You like. All you ever really get growing up is just being, like, kind of messed with by, yeah. by police. But, like, nothing ever really happens. Yeah. And then when you see the way that black boys are treated at the same age, you know, mm-hmm. teenagers, you're kind of, like, it puts into perspective, like, oh, you, like, you really know how easy you had of it. Because a lot of people who don't have interactions with police officers, I certainly did. Because I was yeah. always, like, in a forest or doing something obnoxious or having massive parties or festivals. Yeah. <laughs> and... So I had many encounters, and the worst things they ever did were, would be, like, kind of insult you. Like, oh, um, where are you going to school? What are you still? No, that's not even a good school. Just dumb stuff like yes. that. And you're like, oh, all right, because you didn't have any weapons on. You didn't have any, You weren't drunk or anything. I was mm-hmm. always sober. So they really never had anything on me, and I think that always made them really upset. So they, Probably. they try so hard to insult me. You know, one time we got arrested for trespassing in a forest. We were having a bonfire. I was 18, and everyone was drinking, but I, I didn't drink then. And the police were giving me such a hard time because they were sure I was drinking. Mm-hmm. And I, I told them I'd blow, and they wouldn't even let me blow. They, like, wouldn't let me prove that I wasn't. Uh-huh. And they kept me in the jail cell all night because they were so mad that I kept saying I wasn't until they finally let me blow, and it was zero, 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 and they were, like, really mad. And then they made me, like, walk back to my car. Like, they let me out and made me walk back to my car, which was, like, miles. They just treated me terribly. <laughs> For for what? Because you know? I proved them wrong yeah. right to their face, and it was they were just not happy about it, you know? Stupid. Yeah, yeah. But, it again, it puts in perspective, like, how people of color are really treated. You know, yeah. any minority. Any minority. It's just different. Even with age. Like, cutting my hair and being more groomed and wearing, like, nicer clothes and having a Honda Civic that's up to date. I'm treated so differently now by police officers. When mm-hmm. I get pulled over, they let me go. Mm-hmm. They call me sir. They're nice. Mm-hmm. They don't bother me. They, I'm, I'm respected by them. It's, it's really frustrating. But when I had long hair and wore thrift store clothes, they were so mean. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and it's same skin color, just that changed. In, in the same town and area. And yeah, same area, just different. My hair is not as long. It's not as mm. curly. My beard is not as, you know, it's really Baldus. tame. Yeah, uh-huh. and yeah. you, I could feel the difference in how I'm treated just by those things. Yeah, you well, know, yeah. I'm lucky that I don't have many run-ins because it makes me very, uh, very angry afterward. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I just I don't I don't know I don't think I want to talk about it much more than that. But <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I get um, it. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to talk to you about music because okay, you're one of many people that have been here and performed here, but. For some reason, every time I've recorded your music here or a performance, it's been so touching. You have a very... Really? Absolutely. Even I'd say one of my most favorite performance performers that's ever been here out of thousands really? at this point is you. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, wow. What was it? Wow. That's, it's how thank genu- you so much. You're welcome. You're thank welcome. You. It's how genuine your words are. They... They like cut <laughs> so hard. I would I would hope so. They do. That's why it takes me. A, that's part of the reason it's so hard for me to write songs because I want it to be meaningful and and um, affect 
with an A, <laughs> the listener. <laughs> um, and, and you know, you, you in trying to do that, a lot of corny crap comes out. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that sucks, you know, and, yeah. and I have to. And it sets me back a really long time. Um, I'm a, I've been a perfectionist since I was a kid, much to my detriment, um, really. And uh, it, I wish that I could do music as, like, just this fun thing. Um, where it's like some sort of release of energy. And I mean, there there were times that I was in, you know, playing drums in, in a band. You know, I used to play drums in, in a number of bands in college. And I think for those, it was uh, just like a fun thing. And and I guess doing anything outside of being the, the core songwriter in a group, I feel more free to do or play whatever I want to, you know, just whatever comes to mind and, and have fun with it. But when, I ha- when I'm when i doing a project like Easter or Special Death, mm-hmm. um, my goodness, I get so caught up on the so many little minute details, whether it be the words or the music, uh, that it takes me so long to complete something and be happy with it. And it's no good. And, and it's in my professional life, too. I'm such a perfectionist and I'm so hard on myself, but, and, and that has led to serious problems for me mentally, which is where I am right now, just kind of in between things. Um, but I mean, we could maybe talk about that later, but yeah, that's, I don't know. I get caught up on details and do you, it pains um, me. Wow. Yeah. And I'm sure, and it's funny because I'm sure there is people that listen to it. They're like, "This is stupid," <laughs> you know. This is like corny, or this is not genuine, or something. Or, you think so? Yes. Have people told you that? Um, I feel like pe- you know there have just been people at shows that are just you know not interested or will, you know. I I think that might be certain people that are in touch with their emotions. Okay. In my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I most certainly am. Because even hearing you talk about that getting stuck and then the spiral and how how hard it is on yourself mm-hmm. is making me feel a lot. You know, I I struggle with that so much every uh-huh. day that But you're so um um Sometimes I have sometimes I have an issue. I don't know if it's from brain radiation or something like that, but I have trouble recalling a certain word that I'm thinking of and that's happening right now. But the word for you produce a lot. You do a lot creatively. What is that word? It doesn't matter. That's all I'm Pro- trying productive? to say. Well, we can say that, but no, there was another one I was trying to think of. Prolific. Oh, wow. I think that that's what that word means. That's a big word. That's like a big word in the sense of not hard to say, but what it represents. Yeah. Wow. And I imagine you as that. You have this whole house dedicated to your creativity. Yeah, And that's you true. do this festival every year. There's art all over the place. You record people all the time. You do videos all the time of people, you know, doing their music. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't have that focus and that 
uh, creative energy. So, yeah, that thank you. That means a lot coming from you because you've you've been around. You've seen a lot. You've been in a lot of places. You know a lot of oh, musicians. I've been around. <laughs> <laughs> you've been around, and your music means a lot to me. I mean, thanks, Ben. I I have both your white shirt and your black shirt, and. I wear them both. There's cool. The, the yeah. special death ones? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, I like the black one more only because I spill a lot and I'm mm -hmm. very sloppy eater. Me too. So white just doesn't work well with me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, thank you for saying that. It that That's hard to see. It's always hard to see from your own perspective. It, mm -hmm. Others have to inform you on things about who you are and what you do sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I somehow always don't see that. And it hits me hard because I stress out about those things. Are, are they good enough? Or am uh -huh. I doing enough? I never feel like I'm doing enough. And I, th perfectionism comes in many, many ways, many avenues. It has different levels. It's not just – it's really whatever you're doing, you want to do it at the best. It doesn't really matter how many things. It could be just writing one song mm -hmm. or making one meal or designing a phone or being an artist mm -hmm. or building microphones. It doesn't really matter. But to me, it might be a bunch of different stuff. But I have a very hyperactive mind. I always have. And that bites me a lot because mm -hmm. I overwork it and then, then I balance it too much or I try to balance it too much. And then I focus on every detail that's big within that and then all the little ones in between that connect it. And it gets extremely stressful. Mm -hmm. You know, I find myself waking up all the time in the middle of the night and having a hard time falling back asleep, stressing mm -hmm. out about these things. And the only way to mitigate that is to have a really strict lifestyle because the stress is so high, mm -hmm. like fasting, working out, exerting myself so much that I almost force myself to like pass out at night, you know? Mm, yeah. So it's, it's very hard to do that, but I, I am happy. I just, it comes with a, comes with a lot of stress trying to like maintain the things you enjoy in life. And to me, it's a lot of different things, you know, it's different for everyone. Yeah. So when you said that about being a perfectionist and spiraling out, it's a very um that hit me hard because I know a few people, at least people who talk about it like yourself, mm -hmm. not many, and I see it in them and um it's it's sad because you you see what it how it tears them apart. They can't detach from one incident, you know, one mm -hmm. thing and and it just they stay circling on it, you know. Yeah. And I want to ask you a question. Sure. At fear of you know, veering off, and and I don't want to make you uncomfortable. But are you? Have you ever seen a doctor about, um, like a? Uh, are you diagnosed as having any sort of mental health um, disorder? No, I mean I've never spoke to a doctor. Oh, okay. Um, sometimes I'm afraid to. Why are you afraid? Uh, because I've heard my whole life, and this this is not a. Uh, I'm not gloating. I've heard my whole life mm -hmm. that I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. that I'm weird, that I'm a lot, that I'm different, that I'm something from uh -huh. everybody all the time ever, every day. Okay. So that makes me think like either I'm like just different and I'm balanced and I just do my thing and I'm Ben and that's okay mm -hmm. or something really is wrong with me and everyone is just calling it out. I'm too afraid to find out. You what, know? Would, what would be the if, – if you were to go to a doctor, a psychiatrist or a psychologist, it mm -hmm. would probably be have to be a psychiatrist to, to, to like give you a diagnosis. And I can follow up with this just with my own experience. Mm -hmm. But if you were to do that, what would be 
what would be the downside of that? Nothing, actually. That's the funny thing about it is I, I think I probably should. <laughs> Where's the, <laughs> my what's own the fear? I, my own ego. Okay. You know? Like, it's not a good thing. It, you get in your own way of just being, like, bold and stern and selfish where you just, you, you just think you can handle it all. I'm like, I can do it. I keep doing it. Granted, I have done a lot of things to help that because I've always, I always had it. I had an, an extreme anxiety and insomnia from, mm-hmm. like, 16 to um, <laughs> a year ago. Okay. <laughs> like, half my life. How old are you? I'm 31. Okay. You? I'm 30. So I think might be one year from each other in school. What year did you graduate high school? 2008. Yeah, you're a year ahead of me. Yeah. So but the way I fixed it was exercising every day, fasting, eating really healthy, and like being really productive and scheduled. Okay. And then the sleeping problem has pretty much gone. I mean, it hits me sometimes when I feel like extreme anxiety. But, like, how it would anybody if you're, like, mm-hmm. something huge is going to happen and you're just, like, really scared about it or sure. worried. But other than that, which that tends to happen a lot but in my life, but other than that, it's actually, like, it's gotten a lot better. But I've been thinking about it. I'm like, maybe I should just, like, do that. Why not? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's, um, it's sometimes you're just, like, I don't know, like, just insurance cover that you're just like it's this sad it to get any type of health care you have to worry about like i know insurance i know right it sucks it does it suck. prevented me from from pursuing further uh mm. you know mental health uh but it got to a point recently where i had to you know go back into it so mm. yeah um but yeah i'm i'm i've been seeing a therapist and i'm seeing a actually seeing a psychiatrist next week I had to wait a few weeks because they were so booked up mm. at, at the hospital that I've gone to for cancer and psychiatry in the past. I'm just curious what they'll have to say at this point because it's been a few years since I've seen someone there. Mm. Yeah. And so you went before to see a doctor? I did, yeah. uh-huh, because I was um, suicidally depressed before. Mm. Um, and I've come close to feeling that way just recently. So... I I started therapy and um, just want to know at this point what someone from the psychiatric perspective has to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm on and I, and <laughs> I need them to do my disability paperwork from from work. I'm currently on a disability, and I'm not trying to game the system or something like that. Like, I need time off of work because that was a large part of why I got so um, upset and down. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what they say next week when I see them. Mm. Wow. And you, um, so you went before? It, when did you start going? Well, going to whom? To, to see a, a doctor for your mental health. Oh, I've been, go- I've been seeing therapists since I was a kid. Oh, okay. Like off and on uh, because I've always been depressed, mm. uh, anxious. Like when I was a kid, I would... Um, just, I was very, um, very, very anxious, sad, angry. I, I, I would self-harm. Um, and I'm talking like elementary school aged. Um, and so, you know, my mom didn't know what the heck was going on. So I remember going to therapists off and on growing up. And then after college, after cancer um 
you know, kind of shook, shook the world for me. Um, I went to, started going to a psychologist and went to see a psychiatrist because I was curious how they would diagnose me mm. because I thought, I thought that I might be, might have uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. They told me that I, I just am obsessive, but I don't have the compulsions. Um, what is the difference? Uh, when you're, the, and I'm not a psychiatrist, so I apologize. If someone listens to this and they have OCD and they're like, you're wrong, you asshole. But I think that to be obsessive is not actually a diagnosis. It's just you have obsessive thoughts. To be obsessive compulsive, however, is you have obsessive thoughts and you need a physical or vocal uh, compulsion, which to you relieves that obsessive feeling. I was just obsessing over the same thoughts over and over again. Really awful thoughts. Really, really painful thoughts um, that I did not want to be having. Mm-hmm. And I thought made me a sick person uh, that I was having them. The more I looked into it, um, when you're obsessive like that, your brain finds sort of the thoughts or let's just say the thoughts or, 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 or you know, I- ideas that you find to be most painful or repulsive and it plays them on loop and on repeat. And if you try and find a way away from them, that kind of just makes it harder. They just yeah. com- keep coming back over and over again. And I was in this loop and I was feeling like um, I just didn't want to be alive anymore. Uh, so I know I knew that I needed to um, see someone. Mm-hmm. When you find yourself on a suicide uh, help line online or on the phone, you need to... You need to do something. So that's when I did something. Uh, how old were you? 21, I think. Mm. And then now I'm 30, and I'm, I'm not in the same place. I don't have obsess- obsessions anymore or obsessive thoughts, but I was feeling like, you know, lots of things about myself. Yeah. Complete lack of uh, value in myself, complete lack of hope for the future. And these are still thoughts that pop up because this was just two weeks ago. Um, but Those have always popped up in your mind when oh, you get yeah. to those places. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it can just happen so quick. Like yesterday. I, like I've been doing pretty okay, uh, you know, off and on recently. But yesterday um, there just came a point where I just I felt so bad and I just started bawling my eyes out. And... Um, yeah, I just felt like I, I just hated myself so much. Mm-hmm. And um, it's hard when when those thoughts just keep coming um, and you can't see the other side of it. So, But I, I feel good today, though. I'm happy to be here. So. I'm happy you're here. And, and thank you for your honesty. Because I hope it didn't, I didn't go overboard no, there. There's um, no, there's no overboard in my book. Okay. That's Remember good. I'm a bit much, so it's okay. Right, right, right. You're a little out there. You're a little weird. <laughs> Apparently. Mm-hmm. What, have you ever been told that by people? What? Just any, anything 
branching uh, a comment, putting you outside what people consider normal? Um, or do you find yourself not putting yourself in those positions where people would have to say that, you know? I mean, ma- probably growing up, Yeah, you know? Um, but I don't, I don't remember that happening in my adult life, but I feel like if it did, I mean, I think that's a good thing. Um, I don't want to get too negative, but for the most part, um, I don't really want too much to do with people. Mm. Um, What do you mean by that? I just don't really... I mean, I like people, and I want to be kind to people and treat them well. But I think that just the way... Yeah, see, I'm getting into an area that... Maybe I shouldn't be going, because I'll say something that I don't really mean. But, you know, I just think... I don't value the things that most people value or see the way the world in the way that most people see it as far as what's to be what's most important i don't know what's most important for myself i have no idea see i'm i'm talking into a just a a pit that i can't get out of here no but it's okay i mean i guess i just i i think that I would, for the entirety of my life, since I was as young as I can remember, I've just preferred, for the most part, just to be alone and and interact with fewer people than, than, than a greater number of people. I really love my close family. I like to be around them. I really love my close friends. But I could probably count my close friends on my you know on my fingers and outside of that I I don't feel the need to branch out um beyond that um because people creep me out they creep you out has that always like even when you were a kid yeah I think it's just an anxiety thing for the most part feeling maybe like you don't know would it be for example, like you don't know the right thing to say or do, um, how to connect. Yeah. Maybe feel anxious. I, or just values are, are different or something like that mm. and we're not going to click or something. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. It's my problem. It's not theirs. I yeah. know that that's it. Um, it's it's not like it's not like I dislike them because they're bad or something. I just, I don't know. I have hang-ups. I, I don't, it's something I don't understand completely. And maybe it's something that I've told that I've told myself for so long, and I think it's true. And maybe it's not really true. Maybe I do. I, I want the best for people. Like I like in my work when I'm helping people and making them feel better. Um, I love that I can do music, and that makes people feel better. Um, but always, it's always been the most important thing for me that in doing music, and this is probably a music podcast. Uh, it's, in, it's 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 just, just any type of pocket. Yeah. Well, I'll, in doing music, the most important thing has always been using it as a tool to get closer to the people that I'm friends with and, and my family and stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I do know. Um, yeah. Hold on. Collecting my thoughts. You, sure. You have me thinking very hard. Okay. A lot of what you're saying is it hits close to home because... 
having a lot of, first of all, starting off having um, a big foundation here and being here my whole life and going back in time, um, three generations in this home, mm-hmm. you meet a lot of people and you have a lot of deep-rooted friends, family, and it's very large. And then it expanded with the DIY scene and everything else. So with that, you meet a lot of people and you have a lot of, I meet a lot of people Mm -hmm. and have a lot of conversations. I'm a very curious person by nature and I don't know what it is, but people tend to tell me things and I realize how much mental health is just screaming across so many people, especially those who put themselves out there in a creative way. Um, And you realize that it's very abundant in the DIY community. And I think what makes it almost worse in, in like the arts because it's people trying to truly express themselves, like be who they are, mm-hmm. and then it might not be working too well or get the right validation or they can't find a way to make who they are fit in this world. And that is absolutely soul-crushing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I deal with that every day. But not in a in a negative way because it, it still works, but I deal with the fact that, like, how long can it work? Like, COVID made it really clear how long it could work. It, it, it could just stop like mm-hmm. it did. And that's when I started walking and, like, really working on myself and self-reflecting, uh, talking to people, like, having so many conversations. It's what made me want to really do, like, this podcast even more mm-hmm. was learning that, you can gain a lot of wisdom and knowledge by just talking to someone and listening, wearing these headphones and just like listening to them, talking to them. And people just say so much when they're in your spot, like you have right now. Mm -hmm. And I gain a lot of insight from it. And I realized that mental health is so serious and it's so real and it's such a problem. Not saying it's a, like you have a problem if you, or had different what the type. hell, then? <laughs> yeah, right? But I'm saying like it's, it's a problem that gets, it gets ignored and becomes big, a bigger issue than it should be. Um, yeah, and I ignored. I've ignored my issues. There have been periods of my life where I, you know, I could be doing things and I ignore them because it's it, I think I have it under control and it costs money to get help. Yes. And that's fucked up and stupid and uh yeah it's like i have insurance through through my employer you know yeah which i wish that everyone just had insurance they didn't need to be have a specific type of employment to have it i really wish that uh everyone had that but even if you have insurance through your employer it could fucking suck and mine sucks Mm -hmm. so you know it it just it's like god that you know i I'd rather just save my money or something when, you know, this might blow over. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's been going on my whole life. It, it will probably continue to go on through the rest of my life. And it just flares up from time to time, you know, real bad. Uh, and unfortunately right now is, is one of those times. So, yeah. Is like a, um, does it feel, is it, so it ebbs and flows? That, Absolutely. That's, That's yeah. a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Like a, not necessarily like a manic depressive type no, of thing. No, because I think that happens more frequently. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say never, but 
you know, I it's I always have a sort of a tendency to get kind of down, but never not not usually as low as I have been recently. So yeah. Yeah, it's it's like it's really in a pit right now. But you know what? I had a good day today and and I'm hoping I have a good day tomorrow. And um yeah, I'm just trying to... I'm, I'm really looking forward to going to therapy this weekend. Um, and I, looking Honestly, looking forward to seeing a psychiatrist next week. Not necessarily to... You know, I, I'm afraid of changing my medication, but um, I don't know. Just interested to see what they say. I hope I'm not getting too, you know... I know you said nothing's off limits, but... Um, I don't know. These are very <laughs> personal thoughts, but it's all I've been thinking about lately. So it's just coming right out. No, it I think it's I think it's fine and I think it's I think it's good that anyone who listens hears the spectrum mm-hmm. of human of of mankind of of people of mm-hmm. of all of us. I don't have those thoughts. I have different ones. Someone else has another one. Someone else has it worse. Someone else has it better. It's, mm-hmm. It is all over the place. People live to 100 and they're happy. People kill themselves at 15. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is all over the place and we need to be aware of it and we need to talk about it. We need to talk. There's things for some reason we won't talk about. Mental health, sexuality, mm-hmm. racism, like uh, drugs, things mm-hmm. that should be we should talk about them a lot more. And mm-hmm. so I, I appreciate your honesty. It's sure. It's, I hope that uh, it's, it's, I hope that it's not just me. Like this happened, then this happened. I hope that there's some value in it. I don't know. There is. Okay. There is, there always is. Honesty is so valuable. Like conversation and, and being honest in it, is the best way to learn it. it. You can't put a price tag on the education of just talking with people and having camaraderie. Mm-hmm. We're very social creatures, you know, and mm-hmm. to to not talk about it, to just sweep it under the rug is the wrong thing to do. And it's what most people do. I'm I'm grateful that people on that side of the table are very honest. And, you know, I, I've had a few people talk about mental health, but the way you're speaking about it, it's very transparent and I can even see it in your in your face you know how much it's a part of your life and, and how much you th- you have to think about it and navigate it you know sure and it, it hurts it hurts me because I care for people the thing that makes me the saddest in this world isn't really what's within my mind it's knowing that other minds are suffering mm-hmm. and that's always what brings me pain that's what I wake up for it's, it's always for somebody else you know I'm sorry, Ben. No, it's all right. Yeah. It's, we texted it's, before this, and I said, we're going to cry. <laughs> yeah, I and said. I was like, yeah, I'm just going to come over and cry, and you said you would cry with me. So yeah. here we are, bud. I have no problem crying. I'm too old to care, <laughs> and I've suffered too much. It It is most of the time, 99% of the time, it's because of other people in my life that are suffering. It's a family member. It's a friend. Mm-hmm. It's you. It's my neighbor. It's my my partner. It's 
It's past people in my life, past friends, people I can't see anymore because of their own mental illness. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that. And that's what really brings me pain. It's it's never myself, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, my headphones Sorry. flew off. I was trying to crack my neck. And... <laughs> oh, okay. You good? Sorry, buddy. Yeah. No, yeah, you're good. Yeah, it's... um. I don't know what that is. It's it's an extreme empathy that kind of resonates within me, and there's a good there's an upside to it. I always mm-hmm. do feel connected to people, no matter what their uh, status in life or who they are. I don't really care, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to feel it. It always feels like there's a weight, feeling responsible for everyone around you, mm-hmm. and for those in your life. But I've been slowly realizing you can't live that way and, and it isn't your responsibility. And people, I have a couple friends that are making that more apparent. Um, my, my partner is really, she's really great at doing that. She's uh, very wise. And she uh, helps me a lot with putting things in perspective. Probably the most profound person I've ever met. And I'm not being biased. I mean that. Um, so there's people you can meet in life that can give that perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why I've always felt it from your songs, from your music, you know, um, the way you write, you truly paint a picture that I don't know who could not find themselves in that situation and at least relate, uh, at any age, I mean, at least, you know, past adolescence of having heartbreak, mm-hmm. um, like a, a night with a friend, that one in particular. I remember recording that and filming that at one of the intimate evenings we had here. And I remember holding the camera lens. I was underneath you filming up and looking through the camera and listening to what you're saying because it gets really quiet before Molly and Julia come in. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, like, this might be the most real and beautiful thing I've ever captured out of everything I've ever captured. Wow. Thank you very much, Ben. You're welcome. That's incredible. That's it, such a, a an extraordinary compliment to receive, so thank you very much. You're welcome. And a lot of my friends, close friends, feel similar. They, they at least love that, and they, they mention it. You know, they mention that song. I know my friend Vinny from you know, Neighbors, you know, mm-hmm. he uh, loves Special Death a lot, too. Awesome. Yeah, he's a big, big, big fan, um, and that song in particular. But, yeah, I, I always really love the way you paint the world with your it's very sincere even the timbre of your voice it's very it's very real it's it, you don't have this like crazy beautiful voice that's going to be on America's Got Talent and you mm-hmm. don't have this like uncomfortable like Connor Ober's voice from Bright Eyes where it's like <laughs> you have to really like it otherwise you're just like I'm annoyed with this you're in this beautiful well, place good. you're in this beautiful place that hovers like any I think Anyone should enjoy it, but I know why some people wouldn't. It's mm-hmm. not typical music. It's not on the nose. Yeah, you know, you gotta feel. You gotta think a little bit sometimes, and hmm. that's that's my opinion. On no, that. uh, that's cool. I'm yeah. happy to hear that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not arguing. It's just yeah. Yeah, not something that um, I had heard before. So that's cool to hear. Yeah, uh, you're welcome. I yeah, and it's nice to always have you here and even your solo things you've done versus the full band thing uh-huh. either way it's great my favorite thing is one of my favorite things you did was that cover at DZ Fest 
Which one? The Dixie, the Dixie Chicks, Chicks one? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I saw that video, and I was like, oh, I didn't do a good job. <laughs> That's Well, it's nice to hear that someone liked it. I liked it. You know what's funny? What? I think there's, like, um, it's so stupid and kind of pathetic that I know this, but I think that there's, like, a thumbs down on that video or something like that. <laughs> and it's just so funny. Like, that doesn't hurt my pride or anything like that. It's just really funny to think of someone seeing that and being like, this is, like, a shitty version of this song like this guy sucks like that's really <laughs> funny and there's like of a, a mistake in there it's like I make a mistake um, see this is me being you know kind of obsessive about the music stuff that I do but like um, the song that was a long video what, five minutes I don't know you make one mistake that's a moment in time versus all the other moments in time that are encompassed in that video mm-hmm. and the time it took for you to learn it and play guitar the fact that you went to the fest and played like who that I know exactly what you mean because I do the same thing mm-hmm. there's always that one person I was just complaining about this the other night there's always like one person who like jabs at you like a comment on something you post something you get 150 this but then one bad and you're like why does it's that fun. matter it's fun though and if you if you're if everyone likes what you're doing, you're not doing something good. You're I, not doing yes. something valuable. So, I agree. This is, I'm not saying, I'm not saying <laughs> that my cover of a Dixie Six Chick song, which is a cover, it's a cover of a cover. I'm not <laughs> saying that that has inherent uh, artistic value or adds anything to the world. The world would be perfectly fine if that video didn't exist. I'm not saying that that's like I'm doing something good here. It was just a f- I love that song, so I'm gonna play it. But the fact that it has, I love that someone downloaded it. I love that someone didn't like it. It's so funny. To yeah, me. it's 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 great. I mean, it's also YouTube. The internet is a shithole. Yeah, when there's people who are Shit feeling pit. really bad. They have their own personal problems they're facing. They want to take it out on others. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but it's a... I don't know what's going on either, but... It's a wild place. Mm-hmm. I personally never engage in that at all. Mm-mm. I learned a long time ago, you just got to stay clear of that. Mm-hmm. Be be productive and do what you want to do. And um, yeah. those who like it, that's that's awesome. I always appreciate that, the things that are good. And then those who don't, it, it's going to happen, you know. Not everyone has the same thing in common. Not everyone wants the same success for others. I personally love it when oh, people are successful, you know. I love oh, it. Oh, when, when people are yeah. Yeah, when you are. When, you. when you put out your EP, like when friends put out their music, I want to buy their record, their CD, their shirt. I, I have too many bins filled of band T-shirts. Mm-hmm. And an awesome... <clears throat> uh, Vinyl collection of like local music. I'm very grateful cool. for you know because mm-hmm. this I means a lot brought to me. something for you. Oh, I have all your stuff. It's all good. <laughs> oh, even the Easter reissue. Uh, I don't have that. Oh shit! Brought that <laughs> next but... time. All right, next time. Next time. No, it's okay. I mean, but music does something really special for almost everyone. I've only met one person, maybe two in my life that said they don't really care or listen to music, which... It's so weird when people strange. say that. That's I remember hearing rare. that, like, back in high school. Um, people saying, like, I don't really listen to anything. It's just weird. What do you... What do you do, then? I, I don't know. I mean, there's plenty of other things that a person can do, obviously. Like, 
enjoy. Like they can like sports or something like that. And you're not really listening to music when you're watching a sports game on TV. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just a weird thing. It's just been there since I was so young, um, you know, and driving in the car with my mom or my grandma, the radio was always on. Um, and even in the house, music was always on. My mom, I feel like I remember her playing CDs all the time in her room when I was growing up. So, yeah, I don't know. I just always had music around, but I guess maybe some people don't, but that's... I feel like most people do, though. It's like part of every culture. It's part of every activity. It's at every bowling alley and bar and venue. Mm-hmm. And restaurant, and it's everywhere. It's in yeah. everyone's cars. It, it's devices have been around for the last hundred years, giving it to all of us. Like I, I don't. When someone doesn't, I think something might not be right with them, and not not in a bad way. Like something might not have developed in their head in a mm-hmm. certain way, because it, it is a part of our language. It's the way we speak uh-huh. is music. So what what we emphasize. Everything and how we do. Our voice raises up and down. Yeah. <laughs> our, the, the, the pitch, the tone. We have tempo. Uh-huh. We have beat. We have melody. Different languages have tone. Um, mm-hmm. There's different. I know Chinese, uh, Mandarin, I believe in, in particular, is a very tonal language. And it's a very natural thing to do. And you just add a little bit of rhythm to it and you extend that note. It turns into a pitch, like a, a melody. And has pitch, and before you know it, you have music, and it's very simple, and then it gets really complicated when we build structures to make those sounds, like guitars. Hmm. But to not have that, it, it's creepy to me. I'm just like, what? Like, everyone I've ever met, besides, like, I'm serious, like, I think two people I've ever heard, like, I don't listen to music, I'm just like, what? Nothing? Like, not even a little bit? Just, like, not in the background? Yeah. I, I know you don't have to be, like, an obsessive lover of it, Sure. As, yeah, yeah. as I am, I know I could admit. But um, if you aren't able to name at least one artist or group that you like, that's kind of odd. It's crazy. I can go on forever. Um, yeah, it's it's so amazing, and the beautiful thing about it, it is. It, there's eons of music. Like mm-hmm. it goes forever. It never ends. There is so many styles, genres so much history cross styles and, and, and genres and different instruments and different languages mm-hmm. and different combinations. The com- the combinations of what you can do with music are literally endless. And that's what makes music, you can just, nothing is really, you know, every, there are so many, well, I'm basically repeating what you're saying, <laughs> but yes. The possibilities are endless, and you can rework a simple idea in a million different ways, more than a million. And so you can just, it just goes on and on forever. And, and it's great. It is great. It, it is, it is really a great. beautiful form of expression. It's a beautiful mm-hmm. form of relief. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the most important moments in my life have been around music. Yeah. Um me too. Right? Me too, like yeah. like your first song, maybe you played in front of people. Mm-hmm. Like when was the first time you played a song in front of oh, a crowd? I think I think well of my own music. Mhm. It was probably when I was 
uh, just finished or was it was a freshman in high school, I think. Mm. I was in my first band and um, yeah, we played just like some little shows and stuff, but it was really cool. It was really exciting for all of us. Probably. Probably. Yeah, probably. But yeah, I'm sure I was. Do you but get you nervous now? Sorry to no, cut you off. You no, don't I get, don't get nervous now. I don't either. I mean, I I take that back. <clears throat> I don't get nervous in a, like the sense where you're like you psych yourself out of even wanting to do it. Mm-hmm. Like I'll still do it, and there's just a sense of just like okay, like I don't really want to mess up. Mm-hmm. I want to get this right, but it's not like debilitating. It's not the kind of nervous where you're like psych yourself like I can't, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. I'm like I'm afraid to get up there. It's like okay, it's gonna happen. Here we go again in front of people. Mm-hmm. It's not a big deal. Like, I I know I get nervous because I have to say a bunch of things to get through it. Like, nobody actually cares. Everyone's here to see the collective of the band. You're just an element of it. Um, everything you do, they think is intentional. Like all these things, I I tell myself. It's what I tell bands when they come down to do sessions and record when they're nervous, when mm-hmm. they're afraid. I just I, I walk them through everything, I, and I do it to myself. So that's what like. I always do it, and it doesn't really bother me. And once you're up there, you're up there. But usually when I play alone, I get nervous. If I okay. play, like, reading poetry alone, I get nervous. Playing guitar alone, I get nervous. Things like that. But when I have a, a crew, it, I don't get nervous at all. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a different feeling Yeah, being alone or, um, you know, playing in a, in a band of people, certainly. I could see why you'd get less nervous. You you sing, which is a whole other thing, and you have played. You a don't long. ever sing. No, I I can kind of sing, but I don't really do it. It's not where I feel strong musically, mm-hmm. and I'm aware of that. Unfortunately, <laughs> if I wasn't so aware of everything it is to make a sound, then I probably would wouldn't be in my head about it. But I, I want to work on singing, and I was actually thinking about taking vocal lessons just to, like... It'd probably be interesting. Yeah, yeah, to, like, fast-track the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I get really in my head about it. Maybe that's that's probably something I'm nervous about. But to play, like, guitar in a band, I don't I don't get nervous at all. I mm-hmm. actually feel very liberated and, like, free well, to do Because you that. shred. <laughs> I don't know what I do. <laughs> Uh, I play I play the guitar. I like to play the thing for what it is, not just put my fingers on strings, you know. I like to uh, just have fun with it and dive into it and not just keep it. I like to do simple things too, you know, but I also like to make obscure sounds. I think it's fun. I think it's fun where we can go with sounds and how they make you feel. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When when did you start Easter? That was that your like first real band to you? Um, no, I would say my first real band was. I mean, what do you mean by real band? One that you like played shows a lot, and you had like merch, and like people fans would come. People would come to like see. It wasn't just like, oh, we're playing the local, like high school battle of the bands. So like, okay, of course people are gonna be there. Yeah. I mean, I had one band before that that people liked, mm. but it wasn't, you know, that was when I was a senior in high school. We were called Well Red Devils, mm. and it was me, my friend Drew Erickson, who, who's in, you know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of bands with me, and he has his own music. Uh, and then another friend 
named Pat Lane, who doesn't really do any music stuff. Um, but that didn't last long, and it was mostly, like, recording some stuff. Um, we pay- played very few sets, and it, they, they were really spotty. Um, <laughs> Aren't it, they it was like, what, what, it's like, okay, we just did a great show, and then the next time we would do it, it would blow. Um, mostly due to me, I think. But, uh, yeah, I guess then Easter was my first quote-unquote real band where, you know, it's an ongoing thing. And, um, to this day? No, no, no. Oh. I just mean like it's it go it's it's not just like you do it for a few months and then it's it's gone. You know, it's like we we I kept that going for a few years and you know had yeah. had physical copies of recordings and and updated stuff online and and people were asking me to play shows and um you know all all that stuff with a with a little rock and roll band. Yeah. Um, yeah, that probably would have been the first quote-unquote real band. Mm. And that was college. Yeah, that was my, that started my sophomore year of college. So mm. I was 19 when it started. And then it lasted through uh, the end of, College. I mean, there were periods where it kind of didn't exist because I got brain cancer, you know, and you're not feeling... I mean, I still did play some shows when I was getting chemo. and When were um, you uh, diagnosed with brain cancer? I think it was 20, the very beginning of 2013. I was on tour with Easter and with uh, Kawabunga Kid, mm-hmm. my friend Aaron Schultz, uh, Camila Glovaki, Glovaki, and uh, John Menchaca, who two of them, I believe I mentioned earlier, I played in a, in a punk band with them and went to Bachelor's Grove with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they were playing in their band, they were touring, and they were playing as the backup band to Easter. And we went down south to Florida and started coming back. I was sick the entire time. And then when when I got close to home, my mom came down to St. Louis and picked me up, and um, you know drove me home, and I got diagnosed. How how did so you felt you just felt sick? There were uh, yeah I was vomiting. I had incredible headaches. I had double vision or diplopia, uh, which I still have to this day after I received or you know underwent um, surgery to remove the tumor. There was some damage to my occipital lobe. I still have scars there, which um, which my seizures seem to uh, be be centered around. I still have seizures, um, focal seizures, which caused me sort of like these terrible flickering blind spots and, and psychedelic colors in my vision um, that blind me, like make me half blind. Um, you know, that's just leftovers from that scarring done on my brain. Um, huh. but where yeah. did they, um, cut your head from? In the back. How big? I don't know. Um, they took out a piece of my brain and then 
uh, went between the lobes to get to the tumor, which was in the center, uh, right around the pineal area. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't attached to the uh, pineal gland or anything, but it was right there's. It's in a sort of a little cavity there, and the and they went in and they pulled it out. Chemotherapy shrunk it quite a bit, so that's good. Because it probably, I don't know for certain, but it probably would have been more dangerous if, if the tumor was, you know, larger. Yeah. Um, like as it was when I started chemotherapy. It I shrunk mean, down from like three inches around to like a one inch around or something like whoa, that. So. that's so big. Yeah, thinking about just how tiny your brain is. I, th- yeah. I know it's like this. Yeah. Like that, like your, your fists. Yeah. That's what I've heard. Three inches, that's a lot of fucking pressure. Right yeah, in the center no there. No wonder you were feeling terrible. Yeah. And it was actually, I, I apologize to my friends that have heard this story a million times, but it was actually blocking flow of uh, cerebral spinal fluid from the brain down into the spine. So the bad headaches I was getting was just water building up, uh, hydrocephalus, just water building up in my skull and like pushing against my skull. Oh my God. Because the, the, the water wasn't flowing, uh, you know. I mean, it's it's basically water. It's cerebrospinal fluid, but it's you know, uh, I think it's mostly composed of water. But funny, funny story. When I first went into the hospital to relieve that pressure, they put a little tube in the top of my head, like a plastic tube. I don't know. I, I think they cut my head open, and your your skull, your skull is actually. Uh, a joint. It's little pieces that are sort of fused together. In those, do you know this? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll. I want you to keep going. I have. We're, we have a lot of similarities. Really? Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it it fuses together as yeah. you grow. Mm-hmm. It's really a joint of. So they stuff the little tube in between the joints out the top of my head, and I have this tube coming out of my head, and. It was just draining into a little bag that I had beside me. Oh and when God. I first started to walk, I was just like walking down the hallway with a nurse and just had this bag of brain juice like <laughs> hanging. That's like, an awesome band head. name. Bag of brain bag juice. Bag of brain juice. <laughs> Punk band for We're sure. Bag of brain juice. Fuck yeah. And then yeah. the album cover is literally you holding a bag of brain uh-huh. juice, like the tube coming out mm-hmm. with like the, the gown on, you know? Yeah, and I have a, this memory of of speaking to the um, the nurse, and she was like, "Yeah, I don't know if this was really for me. Like, I don't. Know. I hope she figured out something." Oh, like you, you freaked her out, huh? No, it wasn't me. Oh. I think she. I think she really enjoyed having me as a patient. I think it was just the overall like healthcare, yeah, fucked up system, and and caring for people that are maybe not. Not not grateful, but it's just it's a really tough world to work in Absolutely. and expose yourself to every day. Absolutely, especially yeah. where, when you're in the intensive care unit. Oh my god, it's got to be rough. I but, have a lot of respect for people in the healthcare system. I yeah, you me know, too. I like how you're here today because of it. Because mm-hmm. you, it is like you wouldn't have lived if that surgery didn't happen. Yeah, like there's no way. You know? I mean. You could, I won't, never mind. You think you would? With a no, no, tumor? no. Um, no. No. I don't know. I'm, it's just something really depressing 
that I'm not going to say. Oh, okay. what were you going to say about <laughs> the skull? Oh, I, I mean, I um, completely different reasoning for having my brain exposed and my head cut open mm-hmm. as a as a baby when I was nine months old. My soft spots, the plates on your head, mm-hmm. fused and closed up too young mm. at nine months. Well, the brain was still like growing, growing and developing. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would have died, and um, my brain would have been squished. Uh, uh-huh. Eventually, I would have died. But what happens before you die, which is terrible, but this is what I've been told, that the, the brain will start to go down like the neck a little bit. Okay. And it'll start... Hunt, like you'll start becoming more like a hunchback, and you'll you'll start pushing your spine, and it'll, and you'll get deformed, and like parts of your head and stuff will start. Shaping. The brain is is enough; it, it can cause apparently, uh, deformations. Apparently I think it it's so pull. soft and squishy that it wouldn't be able. That's to what do I've that, been told, but, but I don't huh. know. I think it's because it happens so young when your body is growing, so mushy, so mushy, and, and still like growing. Got that mushy young body. You got that mushy young body, and it's growing, so it, it has the opportunity sure, to be pushed around, to be shaped, and okay, yeah. Yeah, probably not to the point where it's, like, a big difference, but enough to where, I mean, it, you will eventually die, you know, and if you don't die, which I don't know how you wouldn't, the problems you would have would be so bad that you might be better off dead. Um, yeah, I mean, the brain should not be messed with like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I when I was nine months old, I had this reconstructive uh, head surgery, plagiocephaly surgery, I believe the name of it is. And, they, yeah, they sliced up my from ear to ear. Plagio. Do you know what that means? That's got to be Greek, right? Greek, Latin. It's Plagio. always one of those two things. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Because um, hydrocephalus, water on the brain, yeah. you know? Plagio. Pl- it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, look it up. Uh, sure, yeah, yeah. I'm curious what plagio means. <laughs> what a word to spell. Ladies and gentlemen, thank plagiocephaly. you for your Okay. Plagiocephaly develops when a baby spends too much time lying on his, his or her back. It doesn't cause brain damage. Okay, this is different then. I think this is part of it. I think I had like something with a B. Oh, here it is. Yeah, brachiocephaly, plagiobrachiocephaly, God, that's a big word. You know what? I kind of blocked it out because it was very uh, annoying to to deal with, Uh, you know, kind of how you were going to say, like, uh, it's depressing, I'm not going to say it. Yeah. It's kind of where I get with it because it was very frustrating as a kid. Yeah. You know, to, so I, it also messed with my eyes. I mess with a lot of things, but it it I have these weird bumps on my head, dense. My I can like my skull kind of yeah, cracks I have here. Dense and, and and scars and things yeah, like that. Yeah, and, the scar, and a number of places, all yeah. that stuff. The the mm-hmm. face is even asymmetrical. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's all kind of wacky. My forehead's kind of goofy, as far as like the shape of it. I I, I haven't gl- noticed. Well, I, I do a good job. Handsome. Thank you. You're welcome. I, I appreciate that. That's always nice to hear. Uh, um, yeah, you just learn to live. What's, what's your? What's your? Uh, what is your? Um, I don't know how to say it. What What country are your descendants from? What ethnicity am I? 
<laughs> is it ethnicity? Is I, that what that is? That would be, I believe so. Wouldn't ethnicity just be white? Well, so technically, I mean, some half Mexican, and then um, the other half is mostly European, and it's like twenty percent English, twenty percent Polish, with a little little. I'm I, this is from twenty three and Me dash of mm-hmm. uh, Ashkenazi Jew within that Polish. Okay. And then 20% like uh, broadly Northern European, not 20, like 10%. So there's like that 50 and then the other half is Mexican, which really breaks down to like a lot of Spanish and then some Native American from Mexico. Do you speak any Spanish? I don't. My dad is fluent, but he never taught me. He was part of that assimilate generation. We're American now. Yep. So, which sucks a lot. And I think about it the whole time, like how easy it would have been, but whatever. I've been meaning to learn it. I try. I'm lacking in it. That's still that's my last thing. I, everything I've been wanting to do, I've been doing. And that's my last thing to do on the bucket list. Gotcha. Yeah. So and then you can just off yourself. Right? <laughs> Once you're fluent, you can just uh, goodbye. Yeah. Back back to brains. Uh, uh-huh. It's where the fun joke of the name of this podcast comes from, because well, for you and I, we both have had our brains bent. And mm-hmm. which is you're the first person I've ever met that I could say that about. So it's nice. Yeah, it's, cheers. I'm, I'm really grateful that we have that in common. Yeah. And then another interesting thing is I wore an eye patch from five. To oh, 10. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You were so, saying that before we started. And you wear one, and you have scars on your head, and I do, and you, our our reasons are different, but the uh-huh. fact that we both have that is very interesting, uh-huh. and not very common. Um, no. When did you start having to wear an eye patch? Well, it was after the the, the surgery. Mm-hmm. I had diplopia after the surgery as well. It's funny. I had it leading up to finding out that I had cancer. And at the start, once I got chemotherapy and the tumor began to shrink, it went away. It resolved itself. I'm assuming because there was less pressure on the occipital lobe. Mm-hmm. And then when they went there to cut the fucker out and they put some scars on my brain, uh, I woke up with double vision again. So mm. it is what it is. Yeah. I'm alive. I just got to deal with it. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's, you get used to it. It's a part oh, of Oh, yeah. Living. I'm totally used to it. Do you have a sense of like being grateful that you're alive? So anything else is just like it is what it is? Uh, I have a hard time feeling that a lot of the time. Mm. Do you think that's the... The depression, yeah. combating that mm-hmm. feeling, yeah. 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 And I think that's where I'm, I'm me, where I, I don't, I, I truly believe I don't have um, the same type of depression I hear people talk about, because when, when I hear people talk about it, I go, I don't feel that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no, there's no way. Um, so I always have that, like, optimistic feeling of, like, man, I'm grateful to be alive, because if I was born in a different time, if the doctors weren't in at at University of Chicago and, and yeah. available to save my life, I wouldn't be here. No, I definitely felt the same way during and and after. You know. Yeah. Uh, mostly during. It's like, wow, this is amazing that um, I'm receiving the treatment that I need, and that you know, I there are ways to deal with this thing in my brain. Like I would be dead if, if this was yeah any other period of time perhaps even 20 or 30 years earlier, you know? Yeah. And um, 
just given the the fact that I was receiving chemotherapy and the the uh, surgery was. Well, no, I don't think the surgery was robotic. I think that that doctor went in there with his gentle, gentle hands and pulled that tumor Isn't that out. Isn't amazing? Plucked it out. Like, imagine being that person. I can't. Oh, my God. I like, can't. Like, my mom and dad describe the surgery mm-hmm. when they when they can. My mom, I, I try not to ask my mom about it a lot. She gets pretty sad. But oh, okay. When, I, when she does talk about it, she always says, like, it was 14 hours. And she just like was like, yeah, we waited in the wait- waiting room for 14 hours, not knowing the outcome. You know, the type of paperwork they make you sign for your nine-month-old baby. It's not fun. And when the doctor came out, doctor, uh, I believe his name is John Polly, came out. He was just covered like in blood and sweat. Just like he, he didn't stop uh-huh. at all. I don't know how he went to the bathroom, how he ate. But that man Diaper. went. Yeah, I don't know what he did, but he went on. And he held a nine-month-old baby's head and brain and just worked it's wild. medical magic on it. And, uh, yeah, to, he's still active this day in Michigan. That's great. Yeah. He was pretty young, I think, when he did it, like in his early early 30s. But he was in Chicago at the time? Yeah. It yeah. was UFC? I think, actually, I don't think it was UFC. I think it was UIC, the hospital at UIC. Okay. Yeah. That's where I started off and had a terrible experience. Really? Yeah, I ev- I eventually ended up going to Lurie Children's because mm-hmm. I was still a quote unquote child at the time. I was like, you could be up to twenty one, and I was twenty one. Oh and wow! They took me, and I'm really grateful. Twenty one year old child. Was, yeah, it was it was a really great, um, really great experience. What a wonderful staff they have there! My goodness, really? it, it was like night and day compared to uh, UIC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, University of Illinois. Oh, that was that, a shithole. And that was in 2011? No, no. That was 2013. 13? Okay. Mm-hmm. So 2013. See, I, I was there in 1990, so yeah. it's just different, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's 20 yeah. years different. So. What What was that like? Because I don't, I don't have memory of this. Like, these are, I have a lot of photos. I have video before and after. Mm-hmm. And I have stories, mm-hmm. like these these stories from family members mm-hmm. and my parents. I've been hearing them my whole life, and I I lived with the repercussions of it. So it's a weird feeling to like have a scar, have dents, have a patch, wear glasses, have these medical issues. See, go to the special unit in the hospital the first ten years of your life to have yeah. crazy tests done on you because you're like the skinny pig, but you never know why. Like the source never was there for you. So right. having that at twenty one. I can't imagine, like, you have to face, like, I don't want to sound dark, but you have to face death at a young age, like a very young age. It's very rare someone gets cancer at 21, like, very rare. Like, I can't imagine what that could be like. And you you mentioned earlier that one of your earlier bouts of feeling this way was when you were 21. Yeah, it was after, um, after... I got through with everything, which as you would think, I would be like, oh, I'm so happy to be alive that everything is wonderful. But it was actually really terrible. What Do you um, think the surgery and that experience was part of that? Or do you think it was just already there anyway and that was just another thing to deal with? I mean, what was already there, the depression? Yeah. I mean, it's always inside of me. Yeah. Just kind of waiting to come out, you know, at, mm-hmm. at certain times. I think it was... 
It's hard to say exactly what it was. Mm. I don't think it was the surgery or anything because through the, through cancer, through that entire period of time when I was going to the hospital and receiving chemotherapy and, you know, um, I was really positive and hopeful and so happy to, you know, be alive and, mm-hmm. and you know, have I remember my friends that. and family. I actually remember that you came to DZ Fest 2013. And you had a, like a bandana on your on your head. Bandana. It's something covering your head. Oh, okay. But I think you took it off when you were you were either in the crowd or playing. I remember seeing like a, your bald head. Bald baby ass. Yeah. Head. Uh-huh. You were in the crowd. There's actually a video of it. I think you took it off. I think you showed up with it or something. I don't even remember. And you took it off because I remember seeing a little bit of both. But I re- I remember that and wondering um because I remember I remember Easter before that you know. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was just like, I didn't know, but I'm, I was assuming something with, with cancer, that's usually what happens, you know? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny, the, f- the first time I received chemotherapy, nothing happened. I was like, oh, maybe I'll keep my hair. Because they told me sometimes people keep their hair, but then after the second one, um, everything just fell out. It started with my beard. I was able to just pull. I remember sitting in my room playing Nintendo and just like reaching and could pull out you know, bits of my beard, and I was like, holy shit. Oh, my God. And uh, uh, it's funny. The things that came out first were, um, you know, hairs that you uh, get from puberty, Mm -hmm. facial hair and pubic hair, and, you know, like armpit hair or whatever, you know, and then... From there, it was the hair in my head. But it wasn't long before, you know, after that initial, I am losing hair, that I just had it all chopped off. Okay. It's like this, you know, what a fucking mess, you know? Yeah. And then it, it just, you know, never came back. Certain things like my arms and, and stuff, I think some stuff's just stuck around in a very light, light way. Um, which I, yeah, I think like some of my arm hair stuck around or leg hair or something like far down, like on my shins maybe. Yeah. But yeah, most, I'm a, I'm a, I've become a very hairy person, which is funny cause I didn't, it's like you, you go through like middle school and high school and some dudes are like full grown men. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can imagine that. I can see it, it you know, just was, in the way uh, that your hair and your beard grows that it was very thick then. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. But yeah, it. I wasn't. I wasn't able to grow a full beard until after college, mm. which is odd that That's you're still rare. developing yeah. at that point, or some people are still developing at that point, or going through puberty. I don't know, but it seems like most guys are between like eighteen and twenty-two with like noticing, like, oh, I can like grow a beard now. Maybe okay. it gets a little bit more full mm-hmm. in your twenties. Like mine started at this peak of like how thick it can get. I think was around like twenty three or twenty four. Okay. When it was like super thick. But it was it was always thick, but I've noticed like, oh, there is nothing showing. Like no yeah. dry spots. It's just it's Yeah. Thick, and if you know? if I hadn't buzzed off a few days ago, I would pretty much uh, uh did I have a beard? I don't know. But I can grow a beard like that now. <laughs> yeah. But it took forever. Yeah. And and I always thought it would be so cool to to have a beard. I would love to, you know have that look, mm-hmm. but it just didn't happen until <laughs> way later than yeah. I cared about my, <laughs> than my appearance or about my appearance, excuse me. Yeah. Have, have you ever cared about your appearance as a, as uh, a man, as a person? As a man? Uh, like well, as being a, just manly? a human being. 
you know? Um, I mean, in a in a very slight way, but mostly no. Um, I don't really care like how I dress. Usually, when I dress nicer, it's just to to <laughs> please, you know, the people around me, like my yeah. partner or something. And I and I and it's not it's not a bad thing. Like it's it feels nice to you know dress nice every now and then, yeah. but for the most part, no, um, no. I I was really um, fat when I was younger. Like I weighed more when I was like uh, probably even like eleven or twelve than I do now. Really, which is is wild to think Whoa. about. Yeah, yeah. Like I was really heavy, um, and I I believe I was self-conscious about it at that time yeah um but after i grew out of that i think i stopped caring so much mm -hmm. yeah um yeah how about you uh not mean kind of not with clothes definitely not with clothes in fact i feel very comfortable wearing whatever i whatever i want and i really enjoy everything i enjoy all colors, I mm -hmm. enjoy all patterns. I find that they're beautiful, and I feel very comfortable with that. But you enjoy you like all patterns. I like I, I enjoy. What everything. if your shirt looked like it had um, poo on it? <laughs> <laughs> I'd wear and it. Was it. Like I'd wear it like on a the badge back. of honor. I'd be like, "This is what I'm wearing." All right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I don't know why I'd find myself in that situation. <laughs> I want to make you that shirt. I like vibrant colors. I, I like being. Um, Part of me always thought that it before only recently I realized this, and again, um, I didn't talk about this or realize it until um, I I had this conversation or went to these places with my partner because she she brings these things out of me, you know, things that I never thought about really, and it was a while, a couple months ago, but I thought I always have a beard. I always wore glasses. I always had long curly hair and wore really what people would call loud clothes, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I think I did that because I was always ashamed of how I looked. So mm -hmm. that stuff can just mask me. Hmm. You know, I, I never felt attractive. Ever. I told you earlier you're a handsome person. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's that word, funny enough. Is like uh, it does something to me. I guess people would say it, it triggers me because that's the only word I've ever heard to describe looks to me from my mom or grandmother or aunt or girl. It's always been handsome. It's never been hot or sexy. The stuff that like I've never heard those words. Right. So just not handsome. never hearing that, you're just kind of like, well, cute. I get cute. Cute. Yeah. Sometimes it's mostly just handsome. It's rare I, you get the more aggressive words that make you feel like, look at me. I guess I'm hot and sexy or beautiful or something. You know, you just to never hear that ever your whole life. You're just kind of like, well, I guess I'm just the most I can be is this traditional, like handsome, like just kind of a, a cleaner look, you know? I think that's, for me, that's all I would, that's what I would aim for. Right. Well, I realize now that, like, I actually am okay with that. But oh, there was okay. a time there where you're just trying to figure yourself out, like sure. high school. And you just want to be sexy. You want to hear something. You want to be you just, hot. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear something because you never hear it. You're mm -hmm. just like, does anybody think anything of me? Like, mm -hmm. you never hear any words of of 
besides like the other words. You're weird. You're a goofball. You're strange. You're a bum. <laughs> like everything but like a nice word that makes you go like, oh wow, someone thinks that about me. That that means it doesn't carry a lot of weight, but it's what the gesture sometimes can represent. That's all, you know. But now I, I mean I've learned that I don't actually care about that now. But I I think I started being myself with the the the, the clothes and wearing interesting things like that and growing out the beard because I, I felt comfortable felt comfortable with just expressing myself and that's mm-hmm. a way I express myself. And I do it all the time. Even being open like right now is a way I express myself, playing music, um, the fest, the shows, the recordings, all those types of things. It's just a way of expressing myself and helping others do the same. I really like that. So I'm okay with who I am and how I look. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it goes far when you're a little kid and you know you have bifocals glasses that strap on your head an eye patch and your mom would cut your hair really short so you have like a scar and people call you quasimodo and people yeah make, kids make are fun fucking of you. mean so yeah yeah they have no sense of uh empathy or no anything like and that picked on a grasping lot on <laughs> any sort of uh if i can get real like uh liberal arts they're grasping onto any sort of uh, cultural capital. I don't know if that really applies to this situation right now. The way you said it. Just, yeah. just, I don't think it fucking applies to her right now, but I'm just talking about, you know, sh- shit in uh, the way you look. You, there, you have no other value. You're just a stupid-ass kid, so you need to, I don't know, you have to r- Resort to your looks. Yeah. And rely on your looks to, you know, that's all you're you not have. Smart. You have you no merit. Have money yet. You, to got, fucking, yeah. uh, you have you know, nothing to show around. for yourself. You know? Yeah. yeah. It, it's hard. That that was a hard thing picked on a lot. And I was like a late bloomer stuff. I was like, I peed the bed until I was like seven. That was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, and just stuff like that. We were just kind of, you feel behind having a, a reading disability, having a speech impediment. I mean, all these types of things. And, Think my I mean, my parents were saints about it. That's for sure. But um, it it what it really did for me was help me to be patient and empathize with people around me, and to like mm-hmm. never make fun of anybody, and mm-hmm. to, to to try to look beyond physical uh, appearances always with anybody. It doesn't really matter. That's why like I think it's great when people express themselves. I don't care how somebody looks at all. I don't. I the way I feel about friends is because of who they are as people. The way I feel. About you. For me, it's just looks. I just, I choose my friends based on their physical appearance Some and the amount do. of money in their Some bank people do. They, they pick it on looks and, and money. Uh-huh. Um, Some people pick partners that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't do feel that, that way. <laughs> I don't feel friends that way. Friends and partners. You know? It's great when you're attracted to someone. It is. But, my God, is it so much more attractive when you're attractive to their mind, you know, to who they are inside. Mm-hmm. It. You always hear that, but when you're 15, you're like, yeah, but, like, she's hot, you know, or, like, that person's cute. Mm-hmm. But you don't understand people yet. You haven't lived long enough to understand how important that feeling really is when you are in love with someone's mind. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And everything yeah. else is just a plus. Everything mm-hmm. else is just who they are, but that's not the point. See, I find my – I'm attracted to both the uh, physical and mental and emotional aspects of my partner. So I need to uh, ditch her 
and find someone that's just incredibly <laughs> ugly. Uh, but I like their other parts, you know? So, well, that's the thing. Because then though, I'll know like, it's true love, you know? I, of course I love the physical part. I'm like, I'm a human being. Uh-huh. I'm a human being. I'm a man. Like, of course, I, I do like the physical part. But it, like, it just is absolutely blown up and enhanced by the feeling I have for the other things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it goes, like, through the roof. Yeah. Like, that's the only difference. Like, I, I will never lie about that. But it's almost like, it's almost like implied it's like, of course, of course I feel that way. Of course that's what I love. But it's it starts from, like, their soul, their mind, their abilities, mm-hmm. who they are as a person, their their love they have for other people. Like, that's mm-hmm. the stuff that you're like, that's what matters. That's what makes mm-hmm. a good friend. It's what makes a good partner. It's what makes a good relationship, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, a husband or a wife or a partner. It's mm-hmm. a, that's what it is. You know, when you don't have those things, like, what? Well, then what? What happens when you're 35 or 40 and you're just like, oh, she she was hot, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's like, that's cool, but what about how she thinks or what she does with her life or her career or, or her hobbies or her passion for her family or her kids or her friends or her parents? How does she treat them? Like, who, like, the look thing is, it's a very problem. It's a very big problem that we have as, uh, as people. And... It makes sense. It's how you first interact with someone. It's how you first want to mate. You just like, you see how they look. Like you don't know them yet. So it makes sense, but it's a bad idea to just keep chasing what feels innate as a species and to like learn, use our mind that we have conjured up to be so advanced to hold on to that feeling and then learn how to like override it and keep it as a fundamental part of how you interact with people but don't make it the thing that actually is the foundation of what you have with them it just is a problem you know and that's how i feel about it right on <laughs> right on speak it <laughs> preach <laughs> yeah i can't tell if i'm ranting or not what do you think <laughs> whether or not you're ranting yeah I just realized I've been silent for a long time, but it's you're it's I'm not upset by it. Yeah. It's okay. Well, I mean that's what makes a good conversation is just listening. Uh-huh. You know, especially when it's, it's like one of my skills. Yeah, I could tell. I could tell you're present. I I that's what I enjoy about it because it, it this has helped me to be a better listener to like sit here mm. and take in what you say, you know. It hits really hard. And it makes feeling a, a lot of different emotions much easier when you actually listen, you know, instead of just sitting there and you're like looking at your watch, looking at your phone, looking for your time. You want to you want to interject to like feel smarter or say something more witty. Mm-hmm. There's nothing worse than someone trying to just like outwit you all the time instead of just listening. And if you say something that is has there's like empirical information that isn't right, the other person can just politely inform you like actually it'd be like this this and that instead of just like trying to like jab you in a one-up thing you know mm-hmm. it's like what makes the internet so problematic mm-hmm. is that jabbing trying to i have up. that problem sometimes though yeah yeah probably around people you know that i'm more comfortable with or i'm around all the time i um and i'm really sh- ashamed of that really can you elaborate on that no i don't have any like examples <laughs> i just if i find myself like oh I, actually this or yeah trying to trying to be make something that's already funny and complete like even funnier like i don't need to do that shit yeah yeah but i just i like 
you know, to, I don't know, it makes me feel good to, for people to think, oh, he's smart or that guy's funny. Um, that's, I think, something that every now and then I'll realize I'm doing it and I'm like, okay, I need to stop doing this and I, I need to work on that. Um, again, it's with mo mostly with people that I'm more comfortable with. And, and you know, my, my friends, my family could tell you sometimes I'll be in a mood where, like, I just want to be, like, um, oh, thanks, bud. I was thinking, I was like, shoot, I hope there's a source of water. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's you. perfect. Uh, my friends or family will see that I'm, you know, finding myself as the center of attention mm. and kind of thriving off of that. And it's funny because most of the time I don't, I have to be really comfortable with the people that I'm around. Not, not necessarily because sometimes I, if I'm like playing a show or something, I like to be, try and be really funny if I'm comfortable. You I like are to really goof funny around. by the way. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. I appreciate that. Um, I like <laughs> I to goof even, That around. almost sounded sarcastic. <laughs> no, it was sincere. No, I always tell you like, Man, if you don't, if music doesn't work for you, you need to go into comedy. Like you, I think you, you have told me that. I've before. told you, and that that's before. so flattering because that's just something that I've always wanted to be is funny. And so when I'm, I've always wanted to be funny, and I've always wanted to be intelligent. I want to be seen as those two things. They're ego things. Like I wish that I could get over that. And every now and then, like I was saying, I'll realize like I am f focusing on this too much. Being appearing as intelligent and and um, uh, uh, fluent in the way that I express my thoughts yeah. or being entertaining and funny. Those are things that I've always wanted to be. And when I realize, like, oh, I'm really, like, it's very apparent that I'm trying to, like, you know, hit these marks, I'm like, I need to slow down. It's not important to have all the attention all the time. I should just relax and stop trying so hard. But it's it is fun to do those things. I don't know. Not be, not be smart. That's not fun. Who I don't give a shit about that. I really don't. I'm trying to care less and less about that all the time. But I about like feeling intelligent. Yeah. Uh huh. Because I, I know now. I mean, I f I fucking. Like I was saying before, I'm such a perfectionist and like when I'm working and I make mistakes, it like can ruin my whole day and bring me to tears, which is pathetic. Um, and, and I'm saying that about myself. I wouldn't say that about another person. I'm just my own harshest critic. And that's something that Molly, my partner, reminds me of all the time. Like, would you ever say that to another person? Of course not. No, I would not. I would never think that of another person. I would never say that to them. It's just this negative self-talk loop that I get, uh, that I suck myself into. But I don't, I don't know where I was going with that. Smart and funny, those are things that I feel like I, What? Know. Why is that? Like, that seems like a common thing that a good chunk of people at least wish they could be or, or try to be is, we we do like to make people laugh, maybe because that brings people a form of happiness, and you you realize like I'm making someone happy, and that feels good. Yeah, I think that that's I think that that is part of it. Um, and then maybe feeling smart makes you feel like people want 
to uh, might want to be around you, so you get a sense of. But I don't even know if I care about people wanting to be around mm. me. So for you, like feeling a sense of intelligent. Yeah, I think it's just something like I've always done pretty well in school, mm-hmm. and so, and I don't. It, it's so wild, people. Have asked me like, or, or or you know looked for like what was missing in my in my growing up. You know what support or whatever did I not have that makes me feel so bad about myself and hate myself so much? I don't know. My family loved me. I I don't think that there's anything that I like blocked out. And maybe it was it was the absence of a parent because I grew up without. Um, a, f- a dad. Oh, really? I lived with my mom and my grandparents. So in a way that my, my grandpa was a, a father figure, absolutely. And I view him now as my dad. It took a long time for me to, to feel that way because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a hands-on person. He's a boomer. You know, he was born, he's like 81. That's now. beyond boomer. Is it really? Yeah, that's. 1940? Yeah, that's, boomer is like 48 or 50. Okay. The hell it's is the he then? Greatest generation or the oh, silent generation? That. If you're the silent generation, that's one of the funniest names ever. Like, you have no say. You you better be silent. Like, yeah, I that's guess how. So. I don't know if that's what they mean. I mean, by that's, it, but it's just I don't know. Funny. I mean, he was he he. You know, he didn't involve himself in those things. So, and I remember going to um, a therapist as a kid, and they asked me what. This is so wild that I have this memory. But they asked me what three things I would want. If I could have three things in the world, what would I want? And I said, I think I said a million dollars, a pet monkey, and a dad. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, which I don't f- feel that way now as an adult. But no, you don't maybe want a pet that had. Uh, Christ, no. They should be <laughs> fucking free in the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this man. <laughs> uh, anyway, I, a million dollars w- would be kind of nice. Just that, to, that would ease a little bit of stress, sure. Yeah, I would just throw that in, in, in some sort of. Anyway, <laughs> um, uh, anyway, I think that that I think that maybe deep down, I'm kind of having a breakthrough here. Because I've talked about it with therapists and psychologists and things like, what do you, like, is that something that affected you? And I'm like, no, I really don't care. And and now I don't. But I wonder if just that feeling that I had as a kid of, like, not being wanted is somehow has somehow manifested as this now, this super, this just jumping to self-hatred really quickly, never feeling like I'm doing enough. Hmm. I don't know. That's something to bring up in therapy. On I'm just, I'm seriously just, th- this is not good podcast material. This is just What do you like, mean? Uh, it's it's not fun. It's, what do you, it, <laughs> this podcast isn't supposed to be fun. Yeah, people but, are supposed to learn something about themselves or others. That's okay. all. That's all. My well, I kind of okay. I kind of maybe learned something about myself because it's like I never thought about that as being a source, as an adult, a source of pain or 
feeling insufficient, not enough. You because didn't... I don't think about it anymore. I don't think about, I, I want a dad or something like that. But maybe just the fact that that was a feeling, such a deep feeling as a kid, maybe that just morphed or, or set the seeds for bad feelings about myself that have sort of morphed over time. You just thought of that feeling right now, like that could be part of it? Yeah. Whoa. I would say that it... Dr. Ben, ladies Dr. Ben over here. Side D. <laughs> I would say, without any professional experience at all, but just life experience, that it definitely has to be some type of a factor because that is a really heavy blow to a child. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it couldn't be a factor, but I don't, I don't know. I can never say or know ever for sure if that's the, the sole purpose or the sole reason you feel the way you do, but it, mm-hmm. it has to contribute. I mean... Yeah, but it's just like I, f- I feel like outside of that, my childhood was fulfilling. I felt really yeah. supported by my mom and my, and my grandma. What about like genetics and any type of depression? Yeah. Oh, well, that's a factor too. Of course. So it could be that, and then... But just why so hard on myself? I don't know. Why it's... Bar- it could be that you really... The chemistry in your body developed the way it did, you know? And it's not your fault. And then how you feel about what you just mentioned with your father really brings it to light, really makes it more um, prominent, that feeling. I don't know. That's That seems to be a lot of when you talk to people who mentioned like a, uh, a sense of a depression, anxiety, bipolar, um, multiple, multiple personality disorder, things that are, well, even the extreme parts, um, stuff that's genetic and then things in life happen. And those two forces really um, combine and, and yeah. it can be a problem, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, or it can manifest into a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm, I'm not, I don't specialize in this stuff at all. I just uh, listen to a lot of people talk about it all mm-hmm. the time, yeah. and I try to make sense of it myself and ask questions to those who do experience it, like mm-hmm. I am right now, and it helps. But um, that's pretty. That's pretty profound that you kind of just realized, or, or at least thought I don't know of if that, I was that. in denial about it because you know the the therapists, the doctors would. I remember I was seeing somebody that was like so insistent that that was like a problem or a source of pain i was like no like yeah it affected me when i was a kid but i'm over it now which is true like i don't think about i i don't now wish like oh i wish that i knew my father like i don't i don't think about it now i'm just saying maybe it planted seeds at that time that have developed into other feelings of insecurity about myself or my worth you know? A sense of abandonment. Um, Maybe. No. Not that. No, I think insecurity about oh, myself. Insecure about yourself. My, my, my self-worth. My okay. value. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because I, I, I mean, at this point in my life, I don't know if it's a psychological thing or a philosophical thing. 
I think at this point it's more a philosophical thing, but it it (laughs) unfortunately lends itself to uh, an internal psychological thing is just not feeling an inherent value in in myself or or in any life in particular um, because it's... Um, and, and this is inherent value, right? This is outside of how any of us as, as people with emotions and feelings that are valid perceive that thing to be valued, right? Because that's important. We're, we're, let me step back. Everything is impermanent. And it's going to eventually go away. So I don't know how much you can truly value something that's temporary. And it's all based on the way we're set up Psychologically, I, I'm 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 trailing off into this like pseudo philosophical bullshit. No, no, I think you're okay. But when you, when you, maybe this will bring it back around, and and will kind of make sense. When you have brain cancer at 21 years old, and that can kill you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you even said, had you been in a different, had you, you, Ben, with with your condition, been in a different time. Just 10 years earlier. Yes. Had you, had, had that been the case, you would have died. Yeah. Had I been in a different time, I would have died. Yes. As opposed to making me think, making me feel life is gorgeous and wonderful and valuable. Instead, what that experience made me feel is life is truly meaningless. There is no value to this. And I will tell you that when I get especially depressed, and this can just happen in an instant, you know, in in the flick of a flick of a light switch, the drop of a hat, I can start to feel that incredible depression of and that incredible lack of self-value because what what is is this life worth if it can be taken away so easily and the way that I start to feel when I'm feeling depressed is if this life is going to end and I will be dead and eventually forgotten completely, as we all will be, and I am feeling this bad now, what is the point of continuing with this? Um, I don't know how I got here. I, I started with a thought about value of life or, or inherent value. Um, but, yeah, those are the sort of thoughts that have been swirling around lately and that's that's what I felt after going through brain cancer and surviving I could have died because I could have died 
and because this life is filled with pain and I'm having these obsessive, terrible, depressing thoughts, what is, what is the point of this? That is, there's a lot to that answer. And there's a lot to that question. I could see why, I could really see actually why you would feel that way after surviving something so profound in the sense that like, yeah, you could have died at any other time. You even could have died then. Like it, surgeries don't always go well, especially when they're right. touching your brain, mm-hmm. especially when they're touching your brain. Mm-hmm. Um, this, the, the way that you, the way that your mind works, the way that your brain physically works, the way your mind works, um, it seems like it, it, it is focusing on, it's like what is adjacent to that feeling is I survived wow, it is insane how meaningless this all is. Mm-hmm. It is overwhelming that if there is a God, why would they or he, whatever it is, allow this? If there isn't one, then what's the point? But also you can just, if that switch is flipped, you can say, well, now I have an idea of how short and and small I am and how, how small this life is and how easy it could just vanish. So maybe I should try to like do something with it. Mm-hmm. So you can go there too. That's like right next to that feeling you're Oh, describing. I know. Certainly. It's They're opposite mm-hmm. sides of the same exact coin. Exactly. And because to bring it to myself right now, because I didn't experience the situation, it was always just people telling you like, like you're a miracle. Like it's it's you like you're you're it's amazing you're alive and okay in the way that you are. And you're gonna do great things and always just pushing me that direction because mm-hmm. of surviving, but never actually experiencing the situation itself. So I think my brain was pushed to like use that type of look, the the, the rose colored glasses of Yeah. Well, I could have died. Uh, I could have even not even died, but came out with a lot of issues. Sure. And the issues I have are so small compared to what could have happened. And uh-huh. same thing with what you face, you know. there's It could have been, who knows. Your, right. your brain is messed with, anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a weird way, that feeling that you're describing, I'm on that other side of that coin. And you're on the other side of that coin. And, and, and it's amazing to actually hear you say that especially with everything you went through as far as the surgery and your depression and your your childhood with your father um, not being around. I think, like, anything I say right now about, like, what could be the point of this life is I don't, like, I don't know the point. No one does. No one does. It's annoying when people claim they do. I don't know the point. But I'm blown away by everything that happens in a, in a very beautiful way. I, I the pain to me is beautiful. I think it's necessary. And to sound extremely corny, when I don't have an answer, when I don't know why, when something doesn't make sense, why do anything? Why have this podcast? Why are you even here right now? Why eat tomorrow? Why have sex? Why get married? Why do anything? And you realize all of it seems like it's this, this, this magical thing, this lubrication that's in between all of these joints, which is everything, and it's just love. Mm-hmm. And it's something that everyone feels in a different way, but they feel it. 
Mm-hmm. You could feel for someone you love romantically, for a child, for a parent, for a friend, for an animal, for a passion, a hobby. I think that sensation is the only thing that's worth living for. It's valid. And that's the only thing I can think of because I don't think there's a way to quantify it. I don't think there's a mathematical equation to give you an answer. And it varies from person to person. I think you have to find what that love is relative to you. And that could be the reason for living. And it's different for people. Some people are fine with being alone. They just want a cat. And that's fine. And that's their love. Some people want to find the love of their life and have 12 kids. Like, yep. And the, all that's great. Um, but it just has to be like, what is it to you? And to me, it's always been talking to people. It's been playing music. It's been expressing myself in every way possible. It's been seeing the world and learning about different cultures and different people. And it's about sharing that with someone that you love. It's about having these types of conversations with a friend or with a partner, someone you love, connecting on that level. And it, it wasn't until recently that I've been able to connect on that level with somebody. I'm glad that you found that. Thank you. Of course. It's it, it's just a feeling I, I don't understand, you know. It, you're, mm-hmm. you're just kind of like, you see it in other people sometimes. You definitely know when you don't see it. You definitely have looked at friends or couples where you're like, they don't love each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, is, what is going on? I've, I've been in that situation, you know. Mm. And to, to like feel a type of richness in life through all the pain. Like there's, there's always – that's the thing about love no matter what um, avenue you're going down. It's not rose petals – and butterflies and beautiful. It is sometimes, but it what makes it even more of that when it can be is all the, the trash and the crap and the nonsense and the pain, the true pain that comes with it. It is a spectrum, and you need the whole thing. You need all of it. Maybe your suffering is for you to, to find a way to balance love in your life and, and find it in a way you didn't know you could in a way you didn't know it was possible. I don't know. Maybe you you get that from your partner. Maybe you get it when you pick up a guitar and write a song, even if it makes you spiral, even if it makes you go crazy. But when you have it and you perform it in a place 40 feet away in that basement and there's a crowd of people and it's recorded with audio and video and it exists in the ether until the ether is no longer... And anybody could see it at any point, and some people have and some people haven't. That video, that experience, you doing that, made me feel love. It made me feel a lot of pain, too. Why? Because I thought about that feeling of going, of being away from somebody, whether it's a, a breakup or you just like, it could be, that, that song could mean a lot to different people, but it could be maybe you had friends and you kind of grew up and you haven't seen them in a while. And then you saw him again, and that that inside of your room part to me is like a metaphor for anything changing ever so slightly enough to where you feel not belonging anymore. And that could be equally terrible and hateful and also beautiful and, and loving because sometimes it means change, and change is good. Sometimes it means you're heartbroken because now that person moved on without you or they're no longer around, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what it means to me. 
I, I don't know what your intent was when you wrote it, but that's what I get every time. I, I feel I'm torn. I feel like I'm being pulled in an emotional roller coaster of like relating to the pain of like losing somebody mm-hmm. and then also relating to the the joy of like growth and and knowing that change has to happen mm-hmm. in order to grow. You have to shed the skin. You have to be hurt. You have to invest something and lose money. You have to try something and, and lose it. You have to fall in love and then be heartbroken. You have to do all these things mm-hmm. to know who you are and find that, that balance of love that gives you a reason for living. So I don't know. That's There's no real good answer. That's just my answer. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. What are you feeling right now? Nothing in particular. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a this has been a very surreal conversation. How surreal? What do you mean by surreal? What what about it is is the things you're saying and bringing up are bringing up things I normally keep to myself. Yeah. You know, maybe, I mean, I, I talk about it with, with my, my partner and that's about it. Well, I'm sorry. I, I apologize if I brought oh, you into no, anything no, no. that you're uncomfortable with. No, I wouldn't say it if I wasn't comfortable with it. I mean, not talking about something is for me, it's only until someone actually asks, mm-hmm. you know, and then some, if someone asks, then I'm like, I'll talk about it. But until then I might just keep it to myself. That's how I am. But I think it's good. I think it's healthy to be honest. We're not saying anything bad here. We're not hurting anybody. Yeah. You know, we're just being honest. We're we're just telling each other, ourselves, and anyone who listens what we feel, what we're going through, what you're going through. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. And I know for a fact it will affect somebody. Mm -hmm. It will. It'll change someone's life. It might help someone who feels similar ways or different ways but a way that they want to do something about it they want to talk to someone maybe they want to talk to a friend maybe they want to try to feel this love that i'm talking about you know it could even be helpful for you you know i've this is helpful for me good you know i i wish i knew i wish i knew more answers or or better ways to to tell you it's not your job no, it's not. I just, it's that, that sense of wanting to always know more so you can do more. And like, even what we were mentioning earlier where you're saying, like, you want to be funny and intelligent. It's like uh, that ego part of me always wants those things too. I'm always trying to be goofy, funny. Mm-hmm. I'm always trying to not necessarily outwit anybody. I don't want to do that because I know that feeling and it doesn't feel good. So I don't go there, but I want yeah, to I feel it. That's something that I have. Yeah, outwitting seems like. That's a nasty place. You don't, yeah, don't want to do it's that. It's like being like cunning or something. Like yeah, it, condescending yeah. and yeah, just yeah. rude. I just want to know things. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm a very curious person. I like to learn. That's mm-hmm. all. So. I guess what comes with that is is sense of being smarter or intelligent. I don't know. I just like to learn. When I don't know something, I like to ask. When I when I know something, I like to talk about it. When I am in the middle, I talk and I listen. I it, I just want to obtain more information so I can be a better person to myself, to those around me, so I can learn more about this ridiculous place that we live, mm-hmm. this planet, 
so I can help others. I don't know. I just, I've always had um, this itch of wanting to like gain more knowledge, no matter what it is, from the dumbest stuff to the most amazing things. Um, and some of the best friends I have, some of the most unique people I know are those who are always in giving me some sense of enlightenment. Some I'm learning something from them. They're, they're sharing knowledge, you know, like I, I feel that from you right now. And I felt like that from you for the last couple hours. I'm hmm. not really sure how long we've been talking for, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, and I feel that from a few, few people really get to me. They really inspire me and they really help. Um, it's a wonderful thing. It's a really wonderful thing, but there are those who don't and that, that becomes hard when you have people in your life that don't do that for you. And, you know, you said earlier you like to keep things close. You have a couple friends, best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a reason why for you? I, I, I know you mentioned you don't really care to like try to yeah make it work with people. Yeah, I don't ever go out of my way to make friends. Um, I don't know if there's a reason. I don't know if there's a reason. Um, I don't. I'll have to get back to you on that. Okay. Yeah. Um, have you been playing music lately? No. No. Mm-hmm. When was the last time you like played music? Um, you mean just like at home? Yeah. Just. Oh, I mean up. Molly and I will play and sing okay. together. You know, just like songs that we know and things like that. At least you know once a week or something. Oh, okay. Um, but as far as, you know, writing or anything, I just don't have the, the inspiration. There's always things kicking around in my head. I mean, that's the way it's always been, just ideas kicking around in my head. It's just a matter of actually sitting down and, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not, it's something that I have an easy time, you know, putting to paper or to a recording. It just has to come naturally or I'll feel crummy about it. Yeah. You don't want it to be forced. No, exactly. And I have no idea how long that is going to take. Do you, um, but do you feel like within your core, within your heart, that music is something you'll do for the rest of your life in different in ways? In some way. In some way. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm never going to stop playing music completely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I relate to that feeling. I, I almost like knowing that it, when I was younger, I was obsessed with like, I'm going to be in this band and we're going to do this thing. It's going to be like awesome. We're mm-hmm. big, you know? And now I like having a bunch of different bands and a bunch of different projects. I like that because I like music so much. I just like all different types of stuff. I want to play new things and different things. I, I love experimental music and improvisation. I love indie rock and, 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 and folk music. But now I'm like getting really into to jazz and R&B and it's like I want to start playing that. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to start doing things I normally don't do or haven't done, but I've always been, like, curious, and now I feel really intrigued by it, and it's a whole other world that I'm not privy to. So yeah. I, I, like, I really want... I'm very attracted to it. And I, I've always felt that. Just, I don't know, just part of me just never went down the path. It's like there's just so many avenues, and eventually I want to try different ones, you know? But have you... Do you feel that way, or do you always kind of feel comfortable and the Kyle Lang world that that you have been a part of with the way you play music? Um, I think I feel comfortable in my world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because like I said, I've always thought of it 
or found that the most most rewarding part about it, the most valuable part, is the connections that I make with people that I'm playing music with. And that's why, I mean, with Easter, for instance, excuse me, I was covering the mic. With Easter, for instance, um, it was a rotating cast of people, not just because certain people were available at certain times, but because I liked to include as many different friends as I could and use that kind of as a way to get closer, tighten, you know, tighten the bonds that I had with existing friends, you know, and, and get closer with them. Um, so it's just about, it's not so much about doing something big um, and bombastic, just just having a warmth with myself and the people that I, you know, am able to play music with, the friends that I'm able to play music with. Yeah. That's, that's, that's an amazing important. reason. I like that reason a lot. I, yeah. I relate to that reason. It, 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 what you said just makes me realize how hard it is sometimes for people who feel that way to do like the music business side of things. When you're just like, I want to just play with my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's that fun feeling you had when you were a kid. You're just like, I just want to hang out with my friends and like play at the playground. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do anything beyond that. And it's the same thing with music. It's like to be with people you care for and to share that moment it is the it's a very beautiful feeling that not everyone gets to experience yeah and then maybe you get to do it on a stage and other people get it too and it's amplified and people are feeling that energy and mm-hmm. you're feeling it and then your friends are and maybe friends came to the show it's just like it's a wonderful wonderful feeling yeah you know um i've i've had it a couple times i think you've had it more i think you've played more shows but it's a really cool feeling yeah it is yeah it's really great Nothing like it. No, no, nothing like it. It's it's hard to put into words. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of things like that in life, a feeling that it's hard to put into words. And I think it goes back to what I was mentioning earlier, that that feels like love. Yeah. You know, when you're doing yeah, yeah. that. And it's, uh, it's just like a, a child being born, you know, from a parent. The same oh, thing. Yeah, always, I know that. You know that feeling? No. I was going to say, I don't think you have a kid. I didn't know no. that. Do you want children? Um, I know we're at that age now. We can actually ask it, right? Yeah. Um, it's a crazy question. I, to in ask. the perfect world, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But in this fucking world that we live in, it's hard because um, financially it's difficult. Yes. I don't want to pass on my depressive genes to anyone Yeah. because it's made my life really hellish at times. Um, and I don't, I think that it would kill me to have a kid. This is going to make me more emotional than anything thus far, but having a child and having, seeing them go through the pain that I've felt in my life, that would destroy me, man. I don't know how I'd be able to cope with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, don't apologize. And this is amplified, of course, because I've been going through a depressive period lately. But, yeah, that is definitely something that goes through my mind. Like, holy cow. I I can't even. I hate to see anyone in pain if it was my own person that only existed because, you know, I brought them into this world. Uh, I don't know. And, And 
Yeah. Those are my, I have lots of different thoughts about it, but those are the biggest ones. Yeah. Sorry, bud. No, don't apologize. That is, it's something that, it's not the first time I've heard that. Yeah. You know, it isn't. I've heard that from a couple different people that suffer from their own forms of uh, depression or anxiety that they say the same thing. They they say they, of course they would. Who wouldn't? But they don't want to risk passing what they f- have to them. They, they don't want to be the reason for someone else's suffering. Exactly. And it's like the saddest thing ever. Yeah. Like it, because yeah, it's a kid, it's a baby, it's they're harmless, they didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, and it's it's a really wild thought because you might not actually, like you don't know, <laughs> and and even being afraid of the gamble, like the risk, it's just so. I don't know. I I, I wish no one ever felt that. Me too. And so many people do. And it, it stops so many people from wanting to even live, let alone pass on their genes, and they just be might be alone their whole life, or at least not have a child. And I never really wanted kids until I got a little bit older, and I still want to wait. I, I just have to, a lot to do, but for that reason too, not uh, to pass on something, but to be afraid of them getting made fun of or picked on or having some type of handicap, just anything, Mm -hmm. any type of pain that I felt or seen others go through, you know, and then I realized you can't, you can't always live life that way. You can't live in the what ifs. Everything's a what if, but you have to take risks. I mean, the irony of the what ifs is people who usually say it are already big risk takers anyway. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, what do you, do you realize how ridiculous it sounds that you're saying what if? Like, you hear it often. I don't know if I, like, what if What if this happens? It's like, you already you already did some crazy stuff. <laughs> you're here. You made it to 30. Like, sure. what do you mean what if? Like, it's, you just be, make a decision. Like, do it or don't. But to always live in that gray, that's, that's hard. That's a, it's stressful, you know? That's a hard mm-hmm. place to be. And it's it might be a place that you might feel like you're in. You know, like that gray yeah. of what ifs. I hope it. I hope it. I hope it slowly take like it'll take time, but I hope it slowly collapses and becomes more defined. And that what if becomes more like I can do something, and you know, just because I feel this way doesn't mean someone next to me will or a child will. Yeah, I don't know. Because to want to, some people just don't really want to have kids, and that's fine too. Of course. But to want to have one and then to feel like, but I shouldn't because I'm afraid of passing something to them. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that, to be honest. I just, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thought. I I hear it a lot, and then people will go through with it, and it changes their life, you know? Mm-hmm. My, I had a, my first niece, first niece was born, uh, three weeks ago, my brother's daughter and 
She's great. She's adorable. Can't wait to teach her a lot about music. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was talking to me in the hallway, and he was just like, "I'm like, I have." He he didn't even know like what to say. He was just like, "It." I never knew this feeling was possible, you know. And he was, you know, he was terrified too. And he was just like, "I had no idea that you can like your body and brain can go to this place." Yeah. I think you only feel that a few times in your life. I think, sure. you know, it's, uh, I think it's falling in love. Mm-hmm. I think it's death. I think it's birth. And I think it might be, um, I think it might be those little moments where like there's like this magnificent euphoric feeling sometimes. It, it, they're just little spurts of it. It's like a moment where you sit there. I had it recently actually where you're just kind of, so overwhelmed that you're like this like life is worth living Mm -hmm. they don't last as long as like the baby born Mm -hmm. or falling in love or death because that's permanent but those things can accumulate and if you can find a way to find yourself in those places more often it can give you a really great joyful foundation for all this pain for for the chaos for other people suffering in other countries for starvation for covid issues for income issues, financial situations, it can make all that stuff not so heavy because that stuff weighs a lot, man. Mm -hmm. It weighs on me. It weighs on everybody. It is so overwhelming and stressful. It's not natural, and we have to do stuff to stop it. We have to eat certain ways and over-exercise to compensate because we're not supposed to live like this. We just aren't. No. And we do it to ourselves anyway, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm getting another phone call from, from Molly. Oh, it's okay. Do you need to text her? Um, yeah, maybe. Yeah, just text her. Okay. It's all good. All right. It's been, um, this has been a very, I don't know, very needed situation, this episode, this interview. This podcast, I don't really know what I call it. I don't really technically interview people. I just talk. (laughs) Um, It's very cleansing, though, to... Good. I think it's healthy. I think people should should get their emotions out more. If that means cry, cry. If it means whatever, just do something. But I don't know. I, I feel so bad sometimes that people suffer and... Sometimes it it hurts me. Like, it doesn't do me any good because I focus so much on it. Like, I take on the weight of the world. Mm-hmm. But I can't help it. Like, who wants to see anybody in pain? Sadists. There are certain people that do. It's so sad. But, I don't know. I I hope and wish and pray, not in the religious sense, that you slowly with with your own will those who love you around you and professional help and just time just find ways to leap to that adjacent place from where you are now you know thank you yeah i really do i really want that for you and thank you yeah if you're i mean i'm here for you too i appreciate that ben you're welcome on a positive note, I love your shirt. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Family bonding. Yeah. Uh, 
I love The Simpsons, but I totally missed the boat. I wasn't allowed to watch it when I was a kid. Mm. So I kind of like, I didn't get that whole thing. But when I watch it now, it cracks me up. Yeah, it's very well written. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I'm trying to think of where we can go now. <laughs> I don't know. Do you need, do you, we don't have to keep talking. I should probably head out soon. Yeah, just... it's it's been like two hours and 15 minutes. That's, yeah. That's pretty solid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to end on such a dry no. and even depressive note. Um, this don't. was probably not the most, I, I already said it earlier, not the most fun episode, but not in the most fun space in life. So wish I could have come on and talked, you know, cracked jokes and... It's okay. Talked music or something. But There's a couple of jokes in there. I hope so. Yeah, there were. <laughs> there a were. Couple jokes. Okay. No, Kyle, it's fine. It, you, you've always been such a nice person. You, you've always reached out to me or spoke to me. Any Anytime I've seen you anywhere, anytime I ask if you want to play here, you, you, you're there. You do a great job with everything you do when it comes to, to music. You crack me up. You crack everybody up. You're not. I'm not the first person to say like, "Man, he makes me laugh." Like all my friends say Give that. Give me all the names. <laughs> I'll text them all. <laughs> first, last name is a social security number. All right, thank you. <laughs> That's what I asked Ben for. Yeah. Uh, I, I was gonna person. give it to you. I was like, I trust him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank you again for your of transparency and, and your honesty. That's all I can. It's one of my specialties. I I try, and you brought it out in me too. So, thank you for that. And I know that it's going to uh, impact people's lives. I sure I, hope so. I know it will. Um, thank you for being here, and for those listening, um, Kyle's an excellent musician. You should check out his musical project, Special Death, on social media and and Spotify. Um, your songs are in a couple of my playlists. That's for sure. Cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Ben. And I can't wait to have you back here again and play some I music. would love to. I'd love to come around. All right, man. Take care. Thanks, Ben. Bye. Bye.